0: Welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons, Casey. Hi. Hey, it's good to be back. Welcome back with your fuzzy microphone. Fuzzy microphone. All right, it's good to see you. And of course, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, Mr. Crabs. Hey, hey. All right, it is terrific to be back. We have a wonderful show this evening. It's been how long since we've been together? Two weeks? Not, we, not too two long. Weeks? Not yeah. too
1: long.
0: Yeah, we're doing okay.
1: Yeah. A typical um, fortnight, if you will.
0: You can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. And, of course, check out the website, edsnotdead.com. And, as always, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, a podcast media company that curates, I I did not write that copy, high-quality audio (laughs) stories across a variety of genres. And, uh, folks, don't be asleep at the wheel. You have to check out Pandemic Pass. Yes. Mr. Siddons, let me tell you, new spinoff pod that's uh, getting a lot of love out there in uh, the, the podcast universe, isn't it, Mr. Siddons?
1: Let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised uh, by the, the feedback, but also you're, you're, you guys are going to be surprised with some uh, special guests coming up.
2: Ooh. Oh, that we don't yeah. know about
1: yeah, yeah correct
0: is the, is the, is there a shelf life to pandemic pass or is it going to be on have you thought that out or you great question keep going great. with
1: it no there's there's uh two i think two more episodes left and uh then we're done the last episode will be a i think a, a bombshell it's gonna be really good
2: mm-hmm. there's Ooh. been some heavy hitters the, ti- so far. Sorry. the
1: title of the last episode i'll give you a little, a little teaser the title mm-hmm. is just it's the work oh. Ooh. Yeah. Is it going to be up there with
0: Oprah's interview of Megan and Harry?
1: It's going, to be, it's going to be up there in terms of uh, listens and excitement on the Twitter sphere, I think. All right. So yeah.
0: uh, our, our, our dear listeners, don't miss Pandemic Pass. Uh, if I'm not incorrect, a new episode every Thursday morning, right? That's right.
1: Rick, Rick Wormley's interview came out this morning. And uh, the second part of the grading conversation comes out with Joe Feldman tomorrow morning.
0: Okay. All right. So check it out. Pandemic pass. All right. Uh, it's that time of the show where people tell us how great we are or <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, Mr. Siddons, what do you have for show feedback?
1: I'm just going to sh- showcase one piece of feedback this time, just to I don't want to go through all of it. Um, but uh, one of the you one of the YouTubes. That posted from Pandemic past that we had with uh, Phyllis Fagel, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, on, Phyllis Fagel. Who came on Pandemic past. She was great. Um, we had a listener, Rose Morris, who said, this video, the podcast, is so smart. I've been trying to find uh, an insightful YouTube video that really educates the topics in this video. Uh, your video really is like the videos from Dr. Ethan, who, who I don't know. Who is Dr. Ethan? I don't Did know. You? I need to find out now.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Very,
2: super smart guy. He know. is
1: an insightful health enthusiast in the UK and he talks <laughs> about health symptoms. Um, so, you know, thank you, Rose. Appreciate your feedback.
2: Thanks.
0: Thanks, Rose. Um, so is Rose an educator? Do you know anything about her? I don't
1: Rose? know. I don't know much about her. All to, right. I need to find out.
0: Well, thanks for sending us feedback, Rose. All right. On the show tonight, we have uh, Dan Reed, uh, a local journalist that we're incredibly excited to have on Ed's Not Dead. He has a blog called Just Up the Pike. Mr. Siddons, you booked Mr. Reed. You're, I know you're stoked about having Dan on the yes. show. He, he's,
1: he is a local columnist for the D.C. metro area, but yep. uh, I think he he talks about and tweets about and investigates and writes about uh, topics that really have resonance and importance across the nation in terms of schools and housing policy.
0: I've read some of his education stuff, but he's written on a wide variety of current events as a it journalist. He has. Yep. Yep. He's very good. All right, fellas, Mr. Crabe sent me a very interesting piece in his Go-to highbrow uh, educational online content, (laughs) (laughs) Education Next. How many pieces have we done from Education Next? Too
1: many. Too
0: many. By Joshua Dunn, uh, titled, What Teachers Spy in Homes Over Zoom Winds Up in Court? Visible guns, Trump banners, get students in trouble. Uh, When you start to read this, you are welcomed by a picture of Representative Lauren Boebert and her zoom background which includes various <laughs> various semi semi automatic uh machine guns. She's a gem. She's a gem. Um so anyway, the 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 gist of this story Mr. Krabs, is that over the last year since the pandemic and kids being virtual uh there have been situations where Guns, in particular, have been in kids' backgrounds uh, in various ways. For example, in October 2020, a 12-year-old middle school student was participating in his remote learning class. A teacher captured a screenshot of the moment revealing a gun behind his bed. uh, And then it was later discovered to be a pellet gun, and there were no charges or no reports filed. Uh, similarly, there was a big case over the last year in Louisiana where a nine-year-old was suspended for six days by Jefferson Parish. Um, the fourth grader was participating in a digital class when a, there was a BB gun on the floor um, and the barrel was visible. Uh, the school it, the school system appeared to go to pretty great lengths to discipline the student, um, did not allow him to, to appeal his suspension, and the family... Sued in federal court, claiming a civil rights violation um, and uh, the the child's attorney asserts that the school did not meet the requirements um, for due process for the for the student so um, i I'm curious, Casey, you've done some teaching this year. Uh, hopefully you haven't run into this. I don't think you have um, I'm not sure you would have brought it to the pod, would you have? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't want to get up on anybody's list. You know what I mean, so, uh, I, so, most of my kids have their screens off, so it's not a big deal.
0: Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Although you do implore them to turn them on, right? I do.
1: And I, a quarter of them on any given day, we'll turn them on.
0: So, so suspending kids for five days, 10 days, a recommendation for expulsion for a gun or a, a, a real gun or a pellet gun in the background what what's your what's your take do you think school systems are overreaching with discipline on issues like these or do you think they have an obligation legal or otherwise to hold students accountable uh, for their behavior in their homes
1: I, th- I think uh, the guns for me is a clear yes or no it's like guns certainly pose a threat to other kids especially if you've been a victim of gun violence or you um, you you just watch the news for the school shootings that happen. I mean, having a gun in your background is sending a very clear signal of your beliefs and what you uh, espouse as a person. Um, the the Trump banners is a little tricky. I don't know. I I.
0: But but I ha- but hold on. Guns guns are the legal ownership of guns is a constitutional right.
1: Yeah, but I guess the the tricky part is: would you allow them? in your school? Would you allow uh, a kid to bring a gun to school? Guns are not allowed in school. Okay. So would you allow a, a kid to walk around the school with a t-shirt that has guns on it? i actually don't know the answer to this question.
0: <laughs> are you asking me or are you going to ask yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> actually I'm
1: actually asking as administrators, is that something that you would, kid comes in, there's guns all over their shirt or they have, you know, an NRA hat on, or I don't know, like, what, what do you, are you?
0: I, I, an NRA hat, I wouldn't, obviously you couldn't do anything about, um, I wouldn't address that. Um, that's, you can, you can wear an NRA t-shirt, I think. Um, I, I, I guess, I guess intent and, um, Intent is a big part of this in my mind. And then also, I mean, not every one of these situations is the same. The kid who has a BB gun on the floor and the barrel is captured on the screen, to me, is a let's do a welfare check. Let's make sure the kids are OK. It's not a I'm going to suspend you for five or 10 days. Um, I mean, right. lo- lots of kids have BB guns and just that one was caught accidentally on screen doesn't sound like a disciplinary issue to me. I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Graves?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I think there's these two particular cases and the nuances of these cases, um, which are to me a little bit more straightforward. But once you start to extrapolate it out, it gets a little bit more tricky. And you know, I'm 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 pretty torn between I think like my heart and my head here, <laughs> in the sense that you know I I feel pretty strongly that guns don't have much of any place in our society, especially. Um, more densely populated areas, uh, you're not using them for hunting, you know, stuff like that. You don't need a handgun to go hunting, so I feel you know that's a personal opinion or belief of mine. However, in these particular, I mean, in these particular cases, these kids were not using them in a threatening manner. They were just happened to be seen, and the fact that you have the record, I assume you have the recordings. Of these Zoom or you know whatever online sessions, to your point, Robbie, intent I think is hugely important. Where there you were able to see, oh well, yes, there was a corner of a gun, a BB gun. I think the school did the right thing to do a wellness check on the child. They found out that it was not a real gun. Yet they decided to, to suspend him for ten days anyway, which was pretty perplexing to me
0: totally perplexing
2: right and it goes back to at the end of the article they talk about a zero tolerance policy and so i think they they must have some sort of zero tolerance policy where they're like well there was a gun so i guess we have to do 10 days but where i think it gets really tricky is just take you know lauren Boebert's picture for example
0: well she would she would get a 10-day suspension with a recommendation for expulsion
2: but she's (laughs) got she's got six or seven guns in her home yep is a background. Yeah. Let's let's theoretically say that she has not made an explicit threat against anyone in particular. Um, and again, this this we'll call this a student. So they're there, but they're not explicit. You know, in terms of like suppression of speech, when the Supreme Court has said, um, I think it could cause a stir. But if they're not used in a threatening manner, how do you differentiate between their their presence and purported future intent versus their current? intent as you see it now
0: i i i'm with you and i would go a step further if most likely in the in the case of students in elementary or middle school the gun ownership is not the kids right so if 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 they just so happen to be in a room where a parent has a a 22 mounted on the wall um which is which could happen I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there there's lots of houses across the country with shotguns on, on over the mantle, um, and you know what? To me, there's no intent there, and the kid is, you know, is, is not responsible. the The parent to a degree is responsible. Um, now, if a student pulls out a Glock on a Zoom call and starts to wave it around in a classroom or waves it at the camera well that's completely different Mm -hmm.
2: what if the gun is in the background and there's no explicit reference to it however two weeks later a student makes a threatening remark to another student about shooting them the other students then at that point know that they have a firearm in the house they may have no other details real unreal bb gun loaded not loaded does that change the calculus at all retroactively? Or does that change the no. calculus in terms of the initial step where yes, there was no intent now, but we are taking to take disciplinary action now to prevent future potential issues? When when tell
0: me again, because I missed the I missed the one piece. When the kid when the kid threatens the other kid, do they threaten to shoot them or do they just threaten them?
2: They would they let's just say they threaten to shoot them. Let's go to the most extreme. And, and, and prior, there's, no gun, there's no gun present at, during the threatening session. It's just like you and I, you we're looking at each other now, but the other student knows that there is a firearm in the home. I don't,
0: I don't, I think you go on the merit of that there was a threat to shoot another student and, and you, and you leave it at that. Um, now, obviously the way you handle it in real time with the knowledge that there's potentially a firearm in the, in the home, that certainly changes how you respond. Sure, I mean the police are there. You're doing a gun check immediately. Um, in 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 my mind,
2: now the other the other question I have for the both <laughs> Crable, of you. Krabel's
0: just throwing leadership disciplinary scenarios at us. <laughs> Go ahead. No, the yeah.
2: other question I have is is the the broader question that this brings up is students are in their homes. Yeah, um, and by and large, schools really have no right nor I do that. I think they really should have any right um, per se to to intervene in like and make decisions about indiv- ind- for and about individual families. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's almost like is there any situation where there could be something present in the home that would merit disciplinary action or is this just in general um, a big no-no in, in off-limits for schools that – yeah, kids are in their homes and you may see some some stuff and somebody may walk by in the background without a shirt on, you know, your cousin or whatever, but schools really don't have much of a disciplinary um um angle to to take.
0: I guess unless let's say a student is sitting on a Zoom call and they have uh a quarter pound of marijuana in front of them on the on the on the desk. The teacher could call the police, right? The police could go to the home. Uh the student could be arrested and i i would then say is that is that a suspendable or expellable offense hmm.
2: okay the police go to the home and they don't find any marijuana there yeah then what right. Right. <laughs> Somebody, it's, ran, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, somebody, somebody
0: ran out the back door really quick. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I'm just saying then, well, then what, you know, what recourse does the, does the school have, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard one of these situations, at least in this article in education next, I haven't heard n- none of the ones they cited. Did I think that there was cause for disciplinary action? And I, and I have to say when you read these, these are the ones that, that, that are cringy to me because They're the classic school overreach disciplinary articles that I, you read all the time that always (laughs) stun me. Let's be honest. I I think
1: that I think one area that I I find a little tricky after the insurrection is if you're now, and then Trump is not president anymore and you're still posting uh, a Trump flag, it represents something different than say Arguably, it represents something different than if you had it up in 2015,
2: 2016. It's free. Uh, it's, no, I, in this one, year, I think.
1: Uh, this one's clear
2: cut to me. Clear mm-hmm. cut to me too. Schools have absolutely no yeah. intervention. In I know. I'm,
1: I understand that. I'm just, I guess I'm just saying in terms of the message it's sending to students in the classroom, especially if, you know, if, if we're in a diverse classroom with students of color who are you know, under attack more and more, the, the, the rise in Asian racist attacks, uh, against Asian folks has been on an exponential rise. Um, the attack on, on Jewish people is, is on the rise attack on all different minoritized populations. I think it, it sends a, a message, uh, about maybe folks intentions, uh, folks opinions uh, that, that could be detrimental to other kids yeah whether or, not, I, whether or not there's legal boundaries on it, I, I understand
0: that well it can listen there's it can be offensive, but people can offend, and you know i I, I don't think you can do anything about that speech well, also, what,
1: what, what if a kid had a, a Nazi flag in the background
0: not, a, a Nazi symbol is 100 percent associated with as, as a hate symbol.
1: It is. It is. But, hit, it, it is but hate, in this, in the United States, you can speech. you can fly a Nazi flag. You can conf, you can fly a Confederate flag.
2: But for schools, it is speech that causes a disruption. And yep, is it has to be a significant disruption. Disruption. Okay. Right. Yep. Or it has to violate the, uh, the the rights of others. Is or is lewd or is pro drug. So those okay. are the guidelines. Now, yes, obviously within them, there's well, this. You know, I think this is lewd. You don't think this is lewd. So on. Sure. And so. Um, but that has been, you know, the black armband case from the sure. 60s. or whatever. Tinker versus Des Moines. There you go. Look at you. Look at Look me. A picture the school law course. Yeah, 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 I mean,
0: and that's, that's, and let's be honest, any of those situations that even happen now on social media with the use of a swastika or blackface or any of those kinds of things, that if, if they cause a disruption in school, then, then schools can act in, in, with, with discipline. Yeah. Um. I mean, the, the unfortunate thing about the Trump flag or shirt or whatever is that, you know, he was, the country did elect him as president. Sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. that that has any bearing on it, but I just, <laughs> it,
1: it's a, it's a, it, it makes it a lot trickier than maybe if it were just, you know, Something in the I mean,
0: maybe at some point in some day in the future, that word, that name, Trump, will be associated plain and simple with hate.
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, I mean, in in Germany, like the the flag, the Nazi flag is banned, for example, it's been banned since World War II. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and that's what I was gonna say. There seems to be like, for all of these things, you know, blackface, for example, like a point at which the public consciousness it reaches a tipping point that says, yes, sure. this is now univ- This is more or less universally offensive regarded sure. as offensive. Yeah. Well, but I mean, know, we're, yeah. we're
0: just getting down to pulling Confederate general monuments. <laughs> down. Yeah. I mean, right. uh, you know, a hundred, little late, 150 years later. Right. All right this is fascinating. Um, thanks for the, thanks for another incredibly stimulating education. Next piece, Mr. Crable. Was this uh, written by Chester not, Finn? I, and, and this was a good one because this is a tough one.
2: Yeah. And it's got uh, I like the angles on this, the free speech yep, and yep, uh, yep. You know, private the, the, the property, private yeah. property, the reach yep. of schools into homes. It's, yep. it's such a unique situation.
0: Yeah, and, and and I'm not a huge fan of schools overreaching. I, I that's always one of my concerns. All right. Uh, folks don't go away. When we come back, we are incredibly excited to have Dan Reed, uh, the author of the blog up the pike. Um, on Ed's not dead. <laughs> right, fellas?
3: You got <laughs> it. You got it, Robbie. I, I had a moment. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> don't, go, don't,
0: go, don't go away. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead, fellas. We are incredibly excited to have local longtime D.C. journalist Dan Reed, who runs a blog called Just Up the Pike on Ed's Not Dead. You can find Just Up the Pike at JustUpThePike.com. Dan, welcome to Ed's Not Dead. We're psyched to have you on the show.
3: Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Let's let's jump in. Mr. Siddons. So,
1: Dan, in in 2019, we interviewed the author of Color of Law, uh, Richard Rothstein about the impact of housing policy and public schools. Uh, We're hoping to have you listen in on one of the more noteworthy things that he shared in our discussion about uh, just housing policy and education policy. And and we wanna hear your reaction and uh, have this be the spur of our conversation. So let's take a listen to what he had to say.
3: So we need to address the underlying cause, which is neighborhood segregation.
0: Housing policy is education policy. Mm -hmm. We cannot solve these problems of schools so long as we maintain segregated neighborhoods
1: so based on uh, that conversation what's what is your reaction to Rothstein's comments about housing policy equaling education policy and what kind of things has your reporting shown of government actions that impact this issue
3: well, totally um, I mean I totally agree you know the the root of American you know school policy in the past you know, however many decades, has been that school assignments are based on the neighborhood you live in. And the neighborhoods that we live in are set in place by land use and zoning laws, which date in many cases to the early 20th century. uh, And at the time, the emphasis was still on creating racially and socioeconomically segregated neighborhoods. So even though there were laws made 70 or 80 years ago, uh, exclusionary zoning, redlining, racial covenants, you know, even though these, many of these things are no longer in effect today, they still have locked in a, a segregated pattern in our neighborhoods, uh, which in turn results in schools that are stratified by race and class. Um, the challenge is, I think, when people fall back on that as a reason to not do anything else, like, well, our neighborhoods are segregated, so we just have to accept the fact that our schools are going to look the way that they do. Sure. And I think that relationship isn't quite as, as simple as it seems.
2: So my my follow up question, and maybe I'm just um, naive, but it seems to have gotten worse. The problem of segregation of schools, and maybe, as I said, maybe it's just I'm waking up to the fact that it it is what it is. So I guess one question is: Has it become more pronounced in the last I don't know ten years or so? Um, and if so, is there any particular reason for that?
3: <laughs> uh, longer than that, actually. You know, nationally, uh, my understanding is that. Uh, schools in the U.S. were at their peak of integration in the late 1980s. Hmm. Uh, A couple of things happened. Uh, One is that, you know, we've seen growing um, inequality, uh, which I think has resulted in more racial and class stratification. Uh, One is that, particularly in the South, a lot of school districts that had oversight uh, from the federal government to maintain uh, integration no longer have that. Uh, So they are allowed to do whatever they want, basically, anymore. Um, And particularly in... Suburban districts, uh, the suburbanization of poverty, I think, has created a situation in which school districts that were, you know, by default uh, kind of integrated because there just wasn't that much diversity to integrate in the first place are becoming segregated because there's just a more diverse uh, array of people in that community. And those you know, patterns of where wealth goes in a community, in a region, uh, have only become more entrenched.
0: Dan, in your reporting, and, and I, I'm sure you've looked back historically on this, when you consider de jure segregation and, and de facto segregation, do you see, you mentioned the late 1980s, do you see um, from that point forward, government doing less or little or none at all? To address the issue, local school systems or municipalities, is there a a parallel there between, okay, we got to this point by the late 80s, we don't need to do anything more, and now since then, we've seen this resegregation?
3: Um, I think part of it is complacency, and I think part of it is, you know, I think culturally, we just haven't caught up to the fact that our suburbs are more diverse. Right. Focusing on suburbs because uh, that is where most Americans live and where most of the um, the diversity is occurring in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it is a big cultural shift to go from we are an affluent homogenous bedroom community to a place that is grappling with increased poverty, people from very different walks of life, very different parts of the world, having to deal with the uh, speakers of other languages than English, having to deal with different cultural values. Um, you know, going back to the 1990s, you know, there was a report... Uh, from, I want to say, as a professor at Harvard, Byron Orfield, uh, who said that, you know, Montgomery County's progressive reputation has become an impediment to doing anything about segregation because we think, f- because, you know, people assume that it's figured out. And that's mm-hmm. not true Montgomery County. I think, I think a lot of places assume they have it figured out. Sure. Um, and just sort of, tw- you know, work around the edges of the problem. And in part, because there's a lot of, you know, I think, political inertia to keep things the same, you know, if you are in a well-regarded school district, people generally like it. It has a good reputation. It supports you know high home values and a good reputation. And uh, there obviously is a, is a fear of uh, of rocking the boat uh, and doing anything that might change the perception.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, Rothstein in our interview talked about that. Some of the some of the changes and some of the policy suggestions that he shared, I mean, they would certainly go, you know, begin the process of, of, of solving this really what's become a crisis, but a lot of it is, is maybe not palatable for a large swath of the, of our politicians who are supposed to be leading this in the, in these areas. Um, and I, and I, w- I wanted to play a second clip for you that um, in the same interview, we asked Rothstein, what we, what should we be doing to combat the segregation in housing and schools. And let's play that clip for you
3: now.
0: I don't think I liked his response. I remember this.
3: <laughs> the important thing to keep in mind is that we don't have the political will yet mm-hmm. to implement
0: any of these policies. So policymakers know, know what we should do. It's no secret that we need. There's a new civil rights movement that's going to demand that we do it.
1: So um, what are your thoughts on, on just the, the kind of proposals that have been shared in the past? And what things that you've reported on in terms of uh, solving this housing segregation crisis across the country?
3: Um, I think I think you know, in this in the same way that housing policy is school policy, like the solution to housing segregation or school segregation, are usually involves the other. Sure, right? you know it, it's about how we how we fund our different school systems and divisions within a school system and making sure that's equitable. Um, I think it's about. Um, offering more choice programs. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, lots of places have experimented with that, doing magnets, doing um, lottery programs, and they're certainly not a panacea, uh, but they definitely, I think, help bring attention to schools that might otherwise not not receive funding or attention from families with means, which Mm is, you know, which is relevant because, you know, studies show that socioeconomically integrated schools perform better for everyone. Yes integrated school and integrated community works better for everyone. So whatever we can do to, to create an integrated school, whether it's working on the housing policy or, um, you know, giving people incentives to integrate the school themselves. um, Those are helpful things. Uh, We should look at school boundaries. I mean, I think as a general rule, like, you know, if Congress can redraw their congressional boundaries every 10 years, we can do that in the school system. Yeah. Obviously the fear is that people, you know, pay, feel like they are paying for access to a certain public good. Right. Um, and that obviously creates challenges. On the land use side, um, one of the best things that we can do is to remove what's called exclusionary zoning. This goes back to the 1920s and 30s. Uh, in the beginning of the 20th century, many cities around the country, including Baltimore here in Maryland, uh, instituted like, literally racial zoning saying this section was for white people, this section was for black people. The Supreme Court um, in 1916 ruled uh, that this was unconstitutional uh, because there was a case from Kentucky where a white man wanted to sell his house to a black man and his property rights were being violated. That was his argument. Ten <laughs> years later, the Supreme Court offered an alternative in a decision called uh, Euclid B. Ambler. This was in Ohio. And they basically said, well, you can't zone out black people. But you can zone out types of housing you don't want, such as apartment buildings, which the Supreme Court in 1926 called a parasite on on desirable neighborhoods. Wow! And so, you know, to this day, you know, communities around the country can directly shape the demographics of their community and, by extension, the demographics of their school by just not allowing apartments or townhomes, or um, requiring minimum lot sizes, requiring um, certain standards for the design and construction of the house. Uh, that pretty much mandate that homes in a neighborhood have to be expensive, um, and that is, you know, one of the both one of the best tools we have had to segregate neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and one of the best things that we can do to desegregate neighborhoods is by opening up to different types of housing.
2: So I have, I have two zoning-related questions. Um, We're so getting won-
3: really wonky. Oh
1: yeah, let's get let's, let's talk ready. about zoning policy, yeah. baby. Well, no, so, I love it. I actually really enjoy
2: it. <laughs> so uh, Berkeley um, just prohibited single family home zoning. So I guess the first question is, is that something that you would advocate for? I know it's kind of a radical step. Um, I was, oh, I shouldn't say that. Some people would see it as a radical step. I shouldn't say it is a radical step, um, but just because it's so unfamiliar to people. And then two, um, you know, as we move into a new, you know, presidential administration, what power does the federal government have to dictate zoning to local municipalities? You know, I know, and I can't, I can't remember. I wish I'd done a little bit more research before. But you know, where there's certain types of housing, whether it's Section Eight housing or whatever, that some states and/or counties um, and/or jurisdictions say, okay, for every development that you build, you have to put in X amount of this income housing. So I just don't know whether that is state by state jurisdiction by jurisdiction, city by city, town by town, you know, so what, what can the federal government do? And then how do you feel about restricting or eliminating, um, single family home zoning
3: in specific communities? Sure. There's, there's a few things going on there. So for, for starters, um, you know, communities, are, there are several cities around the country, Minneapolis, uh, Berkeley, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Sacramento, um, Austin, Portland, who have all who are either looking at or have opened up um, areas that were zoned exclusively for single family homes for other things. So, so is to be clear, they're not saying you can't build single family homes anymore. What they're saying is you should be allowed to build other types of homes in this neighborhood to townhomes, uh, triplexable apartment buildings, and so forth. Um, and that is, you know, zoning control is strictly at a local level. The federal government does not have a say in that, um, nor, nor really do states, Uh, But what states and the federal government can do is uh, create incentives for um, certain kind of zoning decisions. Uh, States can say uh, Oregon and and Oregon has done this and California is trying to do this. You have to allow certain things in your zones. Uh, They can also say we're going to tie uh, certain funding to you having certain kinds of zones in your community. That's something in particular the federal government has the power to do. Um, Sure. Is is it successful? Um, It hasn't happened yet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: But it is is something that many of the Democratic uh, primary candidates talked about. It is something that I I believe the Biden administration has talked about. Like, can you tie um, federal funding for certain initiatives in the community to you need to get rid of your exclusionary zoning. Hmm. Uh, I mentioned another thing in there, which is called inclusionary zoning, which is basically um, the requirement that in a new development, you have to set aside a certain percentage of the units to, to lower moderate income households. Uh, Montgomery County is actually the first place in the country to do this. In the nice. 1970s, they are like the national leader in this. Every, every new housing development in Montgomery County that has at least 20 units has to set aside 12.5% of them for low to meet low income households, which in, in general is um, we're talking like 60,000 a year for a household of one. And then it goes up based on the number of people in your household. Right. Um, and it's, it is one of the ways, not the only way that we are able to put affordable housing in lots of different places. And it's been copied by many other jurisdictions all over the country uh, that mm. have programs similar to this. Um, and what's cool about it is it actually allows us to see what are the impacts of housing policy on school policy. Um, Because Montgomery County has had this for a long time, one of the biggest studies on the relationship between housing and schools was done in Montgomery County, looking at students who lived in affordable housing in two very affluent uh, school catchments and comparing them to students who lived in affordable housing in other areas and finding that there actually was a substantial difference in performance of those students who lived in more socioeconomically integrated neighborhoods. Um, yeah,
0: that that wow. was an that was not I I know that study. It was um, who was that authored by Dan? I need That's to I, I I need to remember that. So it was the it was the kids in subsidized housing in a more affluent area that were in a higher perform quote unquote higher performing school that ended up doing better. Correct, kids. Correct. Yeah, I we need to get our hands on that, boys. We, yeah. we should do we should uh, do a segment did, on that.
3: Heather Forts, and it was done for the Rand Corporation.
0: Yeah. Hmm. It was a Rand study,
3: and the, and the title is literally "housing policy is school policy."
0: Oh, oh! So our friend Richard oh. stole yeah, we, that.
3: We thought Richard <laughs> was like so clever. We're like, "That's amazing, man!" That's, oh, he just ripped
2: a, it off. <laughs> All <laughs> right, <Nine> uh, later. <laughs> this
0: is this is the get off the show question, and I haven't completely formulated it. We we took a we took a hard turn into zoning, which <laughs> which which is not my forte. Um, let's let's end with
1: um but but Robbie, so like you said we took a hard turn, but think about the implications of the work that we're trying to you know highlight, right? we're talking we're, we're a podcast about education, but yet people don't inherently think about uh, the, the the changes that need to happen with education and and housing policy or zoning but well but yet, I, but, but yet they're so intertwined,
0: yes, that- they are. Right? I don't think. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, hard. Impo-
1: it's an important conversation.
0: Yeah, no, it absolutely. You and know. Dan, Dan, Dan shows how hard it is to tease them apart. They yeah. are, they are very interconnected. But I am also curious about. We have a new, new administration. Um, you you talked a little bit about what the federal government can do with with housing policy, um, but what about straight up education policy to address resegregation? Do you see anything on the horizon that the Biden administration might
3: do? That's a good question. I'm not. I'm not as familiar with what what they're talking about. I mean, one of the best things I think the federal government can do is to start doing oversight of local jurisdictions again, to the extent that that's possible, um, and and holding local jurisdictions to a standard. Um, I agree. To sure that they have it, and also you know providing funds and assistance and grants to um, create more school integration programs. You know, I hate to bring it back to Montgomery County again, but, but the consortia, you know which were which was Montgomery County's like school choice program started in the '90s was possible because of a federal grant for school choice programs oh, right that was a federal policy that resulted in you know my ability to choose the high school i went to
0: all right well uh dan it's been great to have you on the show uh folks you can check out just up the pike at
1: justupthepike.com. dan where
0: can um
1: hold on hold on i have a guest quiz oh lord here we go we can't we can't go without a guest quiz i'm sorry are you ready, All right. Dan?
0: All right, Dan. It'll it'll be relatively <laughs> painless. It's promise. painless,
1: Dan. It has been a pleasure having you on the pod. It was great talking with you. But Dan Reed, we want to know, and this this was a tough one to come up with. We want to know what you know about Reed instruments. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> you know, a wind instrument with a single or double reed. Clairinx. So there's there's yeah. So there's two questions about reed instruments, and then I ran out of space and, and brain space to actually find a third one. But I have a third one that's related to your Up the Pike blog. Okay. You ready? All right. Number one, the oboe is one such reed instrument. But what does an oboe sound like? Finish this description from a famous composer. Quote, the sounds of the oboe are suitable for expressing simplicity, artless grace, gentle happiness, or the grief of what? a a weak soul b a sad sack or c a lonely sixth grader
3: (laughs) uh you know i was in chorus all through and high school so this is lost on me i'm gonna guess a a
1: is correct a weak soul is what they describe the sound of an oboe i'm sorry for (laughs) oboes around the world. Number two, continuing on the oboe theme, which is obviously a pretty funny word. Where does the word oboe come from? A, the German word Ober. B, the French word I'm going to butcher this Hoboy. H-A-U-T-B-O-I-S. Hoboy? <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy <laughs> okay. Or C, the Spanish word Obando.
0: Oh, I like that.
3: Oh, man. Uh... Uh... I'm gonna I would. wait,
1: let him finish. Go ahead, Dan.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which one? French? It is French, the French word H uh, A U T B O I pronounced oh boy. <laughs> that translates to high wood or loud wood. And number 3, you're doing great, Dan. Number 3, the word uh, this is related to your Up the Pike blog as I was trying to find quiz questions that related to things like pikes. The word turnpike is a combination of two words, turn plus pike. In this context, a pike is the name for blank. A, a medieval pole-mounted weapon. B, an extinct freshwater fish. Or C, a Raytheon-developed guided round fired from a grenade launcher.
2: Definitely that one.
1: I'm, I'm assuming the first one a is correct a medieval pole mounted weapon you got three for three nice Jeez, job dan. dan
0: dan is one one of only very few guests who's gone three for three <laughs> i think
1: anybody ever has that's because
0: he's a journalist
1: that's right that's right he just knows, he knows stuff. too much he does
0: <laughs> uh, all right uh dan thank you for enduring that um i i tried to get us out of here without the quiz but i knew <laughs> you were going to try to do that you you did you did very well all right, so uh, just up the pike, Dan. Reed, his blog. Dan, where can folks find you on Twitter? Uh, at just up the pike. Okay, at just up the pike. Pretty simple. Uh, do you have anything coming out soon that you want to you want to tell us about?
3: Um, I'm trying to write more about having a dog, so got more <laughs> dog-related content.
0: All right, well, dog-related content. I do. Before we let you go, I do want to say to our listeners that Dan has. The most well-behaved dogs uh, in the world's head on his lap for the last 25 minutes. So,
3: and he is very stubborn. He's a very stubborn boy. He's
0: been a, he's been a, he's been a good boy tonight. Uh, Dan Reed, thank you for coming on. Ed's not dead. we love loved having you on the show. We'll get you back on soon. Take care.
3: Thank you. Have a good night.
0: Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm still joined by my co-host, Mr. Peter Crable and Mr. Casey Siddons. Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, a podcast media company that curates high-quality audio stories across a variety of genres, including Mr. Siddons' extraordinary pod, Pandemic Pass. Don't miss it. Pandemic Pass. New episode out now with... Two more biggies coming. All right. That was incredible to have Dan Reed on the show. He was amazing. Good job, Mr. Siddons. Uh, he knows an incredible amount about yes, he does. housing, transportation, and education.
2: <laughs> yes, and casually pulling Supreme Court cases. Man. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Mr. Siddons, I, I mean, Mr. Crable, I always love it when you, when I can tell that you wished you had just done that extra bit of research. <laughs> So you could have, because you always ask great questions, but if you'd just done a little more, you could have um, asked a really incredible question. Yeah,
2: with actual factual basis behind it. <laughs> yeah, no, you know,
0: that that was great. Thank, thanks again to Dan Reed. All right, yeah. uh, it is time to roll out a new segment that we have never done before. Uh, it is going to be a quick hitter, uh, but we think it's going to be great, don't we? Uh, it's called Stock Up, Stock Down. That's Woo! great.
3: And we, don't music.
0: Have, and we don't have any uh, intro music to it. We are going to go through various topics related to education and uh, I'm going to moderate it. And Mr. SIDS and Mr. Crable are going to give us the stock up or stock down. Are you ready, fellas? Ready. Any questions about how this works? I don't think I've ever hosted one of these segments on Ed's not yet. Yeah, the,
2: the last segment is never, never yours.
0: All right. Um, Stock up, stock down. Here we go. Stock up, stock down. Uh, Mr. Krable, Zoom School.
2: I'm gonna go with a big uh, stock down. Oh <laughs> <Zoom> man! <school. laughs> All right, you got to tell us why. I, I don't. I I don't think it's going away. Even in the fall, it's still going to be present, um, but it's going to be uh, vastly diminished. And I think people are just over it. So I think I'm gonna go ahead and say stock down because people are like. I'm done staring at a Listen,
1: disagree, stock up, big, big stock up. I, as much as I've despised Zoom teaching, I've had folks text me and share with me, you know, in person. And then I just got a text today about, uh, are we doing a a Zoom school once this thing is all over? And I, you know, obviously there's conversations across the country of creating Zoom K to 12 schools. But I think, um, I think it actually will bump up the practices of things like home and hospital teaching. And I think it'll be a great opportunity for kids who have struggled in the traditional, um, in school, traditional environment, like those who suffer from anxiety or uh, folks who are suffering from trauma or, you know, people that uh, are, you know, folks that get pregnant in high school, um, people that, you know, need an alternative way of learning. I think it's going to I think it's going to be good for them.
2: A new version
0: of homeschool. Yeah. So so we are split on Stock Up, Stock Down on Zoom School. All right. Ready, Stock Up, Stock Down, Mr. Siddons
1: on Snow Days. Oh, man, you're throwing a curveball. That's not on the list. (laughs) It's not on the list. Um, uh, Come on. You you,
0: you were, you were Notre Dame on snow day. I don't know.
1: I don't know what's what, what, which one agrees or disagrees. Just it's your choice. I would say stock down. Unfortunately, I think uh, I think snow days as we have once known them are a thing of the past. I think even though kids and parents or teachers will still experience snow days, technically, I think there will still be an expectation that teachers do PD or that uh, students do asynchronous work in some capacity, and that's unfortunate.
0: All right, very good. That's you thought quickly on your feet, then. Mr. <laughs> I through that. Uh, do you want to take that one, Mr. Graves You want yeah, me to move so on? I,
2: no, no. I think so I think it's going to be stocked down on snow days next year um, as. As I think I mentioned last episode, schools are, school systems are still going to have Zoom licenses, but I think the year after that, in two years from now,
3: oh. very
2: few schools are going to have system-wide Zoom licenses, and it's going to be back to snow days as usual.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Or our
1: systems will create their own Zoom. And oh, no. I think it's better.
0: No, 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 no. All right. Stock up, stock down. Mr. Crable, summer school.
2: Oh, this is going to be a big fat stock down summer school.
0: (laughs) I'm with you on that one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I I certainly understand the need uh, for summer school and the importance of summer school. uh, But I also understand the need for uh, hopefully a little bit more of a return to normal um, as more and more people get vaccinated, as more and more things open up safely. Uh, and that everybody just needs to go outside and run around and play for three months. So I'm going to go ahead and do a, a stock down on summer. I'm, summer. Gonna,
1: I'm, I'm going opposite. I'm saying stock up. Oh,
2: let's hear it. I'm I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going to be Nostradamus again. I think I think this is going to be a time period of the next few years where school districts are going to shift to all year schooling and just have more breaks in between. And I've been advocating it for years, but I think it's this is the time that school districts are going to say so. And it's not necessarily espousing summer school, but I think it'll just be uh, a more consistent school year of education for kids.
0: Let's get away from that farming agrarian calendar, right, Mr. Siddons? Well, get, two, you know, get, I do. Get, get two weeks off in late September. Well, I got to farm the turnips. <laughs> All right. Uh, stock up, stock down. On standardized testing. I know Mr. Siddons is going to go
1: full stock up on this one. Mr. Siddons. Uh, Full stock down, full stock down. You know, I was watching this video um, recently. This is is your
0: new pet peeve.
1: I was watching (laughs) uh, this this, this, uh, interview recently with, uh, I can't remember who was on it, Um, but they were talking about how, you know, all of a sudden, you know, school districts and companies across the nation, you know, suddenly found the will to do things like cancel standardized testing. And, and look what we found. We were able to give Chromebooks to, or, you know, to computers to every kid and Wi Fi connection to every kid. And, and companies like Comcast were able to get free internet to, to families and, and all these things they were suddenly, you know, magically all able to do. I think um, standardized testing, big stock down. And, and we need to severely curtail the amount and the breadth of, of the amount of testing that happens.
2: All
0: right, Mr. Crable.
1: Uh,
2: as much as I would like to agree, again, my heart says no, my head says yes, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say stock up on standardized testing. They're not going anywhere, yep. unfortunately. Yep. If you recall, we interviewed chairman of the Ed and Labor Committee, uh, Bobby Scott. We did. Uh, yes. was very uh, pro- he, he was happy extended. about it. Very pro-standardized testing, wanted to know where kids were, where they might have lost learning, what progress they made over the course of the year. Um, It's an entrenched system with contracts that are not so easy to get out of, and I don't think that school systems really have all that much of a great desire to get out of them. I think teachers um, uh, in those kind of like administering the tests, would love to get out of them, but for communities at large, I just don't think it's that big of an issue.
3: Yep, you're
1: probably right
0: all right now we are at the speed round portion of stock up stock down you can give a very brief justification all right are you ready yeah, we start. have we have two more and then we have the grand finale stock up stock down here we go mr siddons teachers unions i say stock
1: up i think by and large uh communities are still pro teacher and supportive of teachers and thereby teachers unions um as well. All right. Good. Mr. Krable.
2: I'm going to say a brief brief stock down, but they'll bounce back. uh, A a correction in the market? Yeah. They'll bounce back by the time uh, fall rolls back around. It's just a blip on the radar. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Stock up, stock
0: down. Mr. Krable. full-time. Will we be full-time in person in the fall?
2: I'm going to go big stock up. My prediction is over 95% of public school students will be in person in the fall nationwide. Right. Stock, stock up.
0: Stock your up. Stock up. You're, you're all in. Yep, agreed. All right. Uh, final stock up, stock down. Are you ready?
2: Ready. It's not on the list. Education
0: <laughs> Secretary Miguel Cardona's five-point plan. Stock oh, up, man. stock down.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, big stock down. Ooh, big stock down. Nah, just a stock down. I would say mealy-mouthed stock down. You can go a little deeper on this one since it's the finale. I I feel like there's not enough meat to it, and I feel like it's just not – I feel like there's just not enough details to really say that big things are going to be happening. I I just – I'm like, meh.
0: I I, I didn't see – I didn't see I'm not supposed to be a part
2: of this. Mr. Crable. <laughs> <laughs> stock up, uh, stock down. I, I would also uh, do a stock down. Um, it's it's too much of a data collection program. A national survey. A national survey. Uh, sharing best Blue ribbon pra- commissions. Sharing best practices yeah. about like in Connecticut, the program they had called learn together, grow yeah. together innovation innovative strategies a second volume of the COVID 19 handbook by the time that comes out we won't even remember what COVID 19 is anymore a national survey about schools reopening status what what is we're past that man schools are open and then uh he he
1: needs to listen to pandemic pass
2: and then finally the financial help well he does they just signed that into law today so again yeah i don't know i i would i would have like and i understand you're new to the job but i I guess I just wish um, instead of being like, well, let's learn about this. It would have been like, I know about this and this is what we're going to do. And bang, bang, bang. Yeah. That would have been, I think a little bit more heartening. Take decisive action.
0: Yeah. I I don't think he went big out of the gate. I think he's, I think we're going to look back on secretary uh, Cardona's initial, uh, initial proposal. If that's what you want to call this and think, eh, it was, it was a, it was a lukewarm, you said mealy mouth, Mr. Siddons. That's good. I, I didn't just doesn't have any heft doesn't yeah. there's 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 money that's great to help school districts um but and there were a lot of buzzwords in it oh a lot man of buzzwords. yeah yep. i mean want to help
1: the google seo out
0: yeah so um so what w- we will hope for uh better things from secretary cardona as he gets his feet underneath him all right so that is this episode's version of stock up stock down good job fellas that yeah. was great
2: you want a, you want a little inside baseball on uh, the education department?
0: Ooh, you, you, you have you have you have jobs
2: for us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, do you, what do
0: you have, Mr. Crable?
2: Uh, <laughs> a little inside knowledge. So, one of the things that is not in there has to do with the morale at the education department I'm, and how beaten down and demoralized staffers were. You know, career long bureaucrats of the such in the nature. Yeah. That when by the time uh, he came in, Cardona came in, uh, and and gave his sort of like welcome speech to everybody that people were near in tears. With wow. Sure. Joy and happiness. <laughs> I, I I had heard the same. Wow. Thing.
0: I I had heard the same thing about uh, DOJ that mm-hmm. the that the first morning that people were just basically felt like just the grayest, darkest cloud ever. It had yeah. Been, had been lifted and they, they even just write the first day felt differently. Um, yeah. So amazing. So times have changed. So, uh, we're happy for those folks because now they can work in maybe a somewhat normal environment that, that has some interest in public schools.
1: And, uh, and the secretary believes that there's systems.
0: Yeah. Yep. (laughs) All right. Um, Mr. Siddons, we are not doing a one of your uh, – we did the quiz with Dan Reed, but we are not going to do a crable Dodd quiz this episode. No, we
1: are not. I, Sorry. But I, did, I, much, I must say I love the stock up, stock down. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I like yeah. that one. Great, great yeah. segment better than the robbie dodd 80s segment
2: <laughs> i liked the 80s segment too i know i, I
0: liked it well but let's bring it but crable didn't no, like the it. the problem
2: but. is robbie won't tell the stories that i want him to tell yeah i, I know on I the want, air I know, so they're these I weak know. anesthetized stories <laughs> when i know the, the real stories are way better
0: yeah well when 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 our media company comes up with another podcast and I'm in a different phase of my life, I will, I will share. All right. As always, uh, we are brought to you by Ed's not dead media a podcast media company that curates high quality audio stories across a variety of genres. Once again, another plug for Casey's pandemic pass new episode out a couple more big ones coming. Uh, Good job, Mr. SIDS. We're proud of you for your spin-off podcast. Thank you. Yep. Uh, you can find us at Twitter at Ed's Not Dead PC. And edsnotdead.com not is our website, which Mr. Crable is about to experience an overhaul. Not yet. It's going to be under it's going to be under maintenance, maintenance soon, correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, probably should put this at the beginning of the show. But yeah, we're we're gonna change up the look and feel of it a little bit. Um, and Ed's Not Dead will still be a part of the 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 company but ed's not dead media is going to kind of take over uh several different podcasts um pandemic past Ed's not dead and a couple more that we have in the works um so ed's not dead will look a little bit more like a podcast distribution site as opposed to just our one particular podcast
0: that's right watch out pod save america right
2: yeah i mean we're we're basically right on their heels
0: yeah we we are we are (laughs) um Thanks to Rose Morris, who sent us some really great feedback. We appreciate you listening, Rose. And of course, thanks to Dan Reed. Uh he was a great guest talking about the resegregation of schools and housing policy and education policy. Uh fellas, what do you have in store in your lives uh, in the next couple of days? Anything fun?
2: Uh Robbie, you're gonna enjoy this. So we went for uh went for a hike last weekend, um not too far from where you live. And we we're walking by uh, a little pond and this woman with the kids and this woman stopped and said, Hey, uh, just so you know, there's usually f- tons of frogs in that pond. Ooh, I, I'm a frog. I'm a uh, you're frog, a frog frogger. Yeah, I know you are. So yeah. she's like, I think it's just a little bit chilly for them. She's like, come back in a week or two uh, and it should be teeming with frogs. So I bought a, bought a bunch of uh, nets. So oh. Me and the kids and some of their buddies were going to go this weekend and, and Try and catch some frogs and lick them and see what happens.
0: <laughs> Get some warts over the weekend. Um, there you go. <laughs> Those t- the, the warts typically come from toads, but that's great. And you know what? You should bring a jar or a bucket, and maybe you'll find some eggs that you can bring home. And okay, um, you know, some 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 gelatinous egg balls of of from frogs, and you can bring them home, and the boys can watch them watch them turn into tadpoles, and then cool. you can then you can let them go. Yeah. It's always a, it's always a fun fun. I I am. I've probably caught more frogs than most people in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Other than than folks living in like a rainforest.
1: Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Mr. Sins. Nothing. Just uh, hanging around the house, getting stuff done, thinking about the spring and getting, uh, thinking about how interesting, how um, last year around this time we were shutting down. Uh, Dr. Dodd had to cancel his 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 island sojourn. Oh
0: gosh, oh, that's that was right. depressing I about
1: that. It was yeah. Such a bummer. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was bummed for you. Yeah. And uh, then I got a big, you know, two tons of mulch in my front uh, driveway that took me a week to spread and and then we were locked down for a year.
0: I Be know wild. I know Be wild it's wild to think about it. Yep. Two day two days away from the, the close of schools. March yep. March thirteenth, twenty twenty. And that's right. The world the world changed. Um and the, the, there's
1: a light at the end of the tunnel, which is nice.
0: Yep. And the conference tournaments, which are just starting, right, Mr. Krabs, this, yep. uh, this week. Uh this weekend, yeah. Yeah, W V U, Mr. Sids, I think you you should be following them. Got the, the Mountaineers, the Mountaineers. They lost today. So, uh, oh, did, oh, did they lose? The Terps had a big win over Michigan State. Sorry, yeah. Huggins. And they're going to get crushed by Michigan, but that's yeah. what I'm excited for them. Um, all right. Uh, as always, thanks for listening to Ed's Not Dead. Uh, spread the word about the pod. And as always, send us feedback. We will read it on the show. We always appreciate you listening to the pod. And for Casey and Peter, thanks for listening to Ed's Not Dead. We're out. See you, boys. See you. Bye.